Mastermind Agent is proud to present success calls. Top real estate agents from across North America reveal their success secrets, strategies, and systems in up-close and personal interviews. You can find all the calls at www.mastermindagent.com. Hi, I'm Mike Cerrone with Mastermind Agent. This month's top agent is Bob McTagg with Coel Banker in Fayetteville, New York. Last year, he closed 124 transactions with a total sales volume of $18 million. His average sales price was $145,000, of which 60% were buyers and 40% were sellers. He operates a team with six members, two general agents, one buyer agent, one marketing manager, one marketing assistant, and one team leader. Bob McTagg is the team leader of the CYN agent team. He's been an agent for six years. Bob sold over 620 homes in his career. In this call, Bob talks about how he generates 400 to 600 leads per month from his internet pay-per-click campaigns, free niche blogging that brings in two to three seller appointments per month, his for sale by owner program that resulted in 22 closings last year, nine major third-party internet lead providers and their follow-up systems, what he does to get a 300% ROI on his internet lead investment, description of his low-key lead conversion system including scripts, a solution to the buyer agent accountability challenge, how he shrunk his team and increased his overall productivity, plus team dynamics, compensation, profit margins, and more. First, a quick word from our sponsor, RealGTV, real estate agent lead generation television. Need more referrals? Get a free script and simple three-part plan used by a top agent to receive and close 74 referral transactions in one year. Just go to freereferralscript.com. That's freereferralscript.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome to the call, Bob. Thank you, Mike. I appreciate it. And uh, thanks for everyone taking the time to listen to this call. Bob, before we talk about what you're doing today, let's go back for a minute and talk about what you did before you got into real estate. Before I got into real estate, I'm originally from Massachusetts, and now I'm in New York State. And I ran a small luxury exotic sports car company for about 10 years. And it was a specialty company, so we rented things out like Ferraris, Porsches, Mercedes. It was really fun, unique, and it was a very fun business. And I learned a lot about the business. You know, it was my business, so it was uh, there was a, there was a lot of ups and downs, and it was a seasonal business because we're, you know, we had the winter months and so forth where we really couldn't do much. But it it helped me with customer service, and I took some tools there. That was pre kind of say the pre the the height of the internet, but we did a lot of offline marketing and so forth, but it definitely helped me in my real estate business. Well, how did you end up getting in the luxury exotic car business? After high school, I, I, I met someone and uh, that was in the business. I kind of, you know, went through the ropes with them and then branched off partnership and then into a sole proprietor and having my own company. And then after college, I decided to keep doing that, and it was, it was just kind of I fell into it, we'll say that. I loved cars, obviously. Everyone likes cars, and it was just so unique and fun, and it was very, very different, and it was only you know, a couple different competitors in the marketplace, and even to this day, it's not 
you know, so known out there. I mean, obviously in Vegas and Miami and California, it's more popular due to the climate, but in the Northeast, it was a little unusual. What made you decide to transition from that business into real estate? Well, you know, I really kind of had no choice. My wife, being from Toronto, she wanted to get closer to her family. So Syracuse, being a center point from Massachusetts to Toronto, is where she said, you know, I said I didn't want to become a Canadian. You know, nothing against Canadians. I love Canadians. But I said, I'm not ready yet. You know, so we ended up in Syracuse. And we just kind of put our finger on a map and said, let's go here. So at that time, I said, I got to do something with the business. So I sold the business to someone. And I kind of dabbled in it a little up in uh, central New York. But it was, it was really more like a hobby. I said, I got to do something. So I also always liked real estate. It was always something in the back of my mind is to get into real estate. Basically, started being an investor, buying properties. Now, at that time, 2004, 2005, the market, as everyone knows, it was, it was on an upswing. So I was buying a lot of investment properties throughout the country, model homes. I was doing leaseback programs and things like that. I was buying houses sight unseen, some good investments, some bad investments, but altogether made out whole. And then that's how I transitioned into real estate. I knew I didn't want to go into commercial or something in that end. So I said, let's go into residential. You know, the car business was kind of a want business. You know, it was a specialty. Real estate and residential homes is more of a need business. People need to buy a house, you know, food, clothing, shelter. So that's kind of why I wanted to transition and try to help people solve a problem. You know, that's, that's marketing. Well, when you started working in real estate as a broker, did you have a fast start or a slow start? You know, in 2006 is when I started. Everyone was doing good in real estate. You know, I'm like, wow, this is great. You know, everyone's doing well. But I just kind of pulled back and, you know, no one was really, everyone was so busy, so no one really wanted to help me. So I was just doing all kinds of stuff, you know, whatever stuck, you know, taking overpriced listings, doing whatever I had to do. And then I started learning things. But the main thing I, I said is, Everyone's so busy doing things, but no one's really focusing on marketing. You know, mar- focusing on when there's a slowdown. You know, do things when it's busy. You know, and prepare yourself. So I started really getting into the internet, and in my marketplace in 2006, that was the the infancy that I see of a lot of these systems that are true today. You know, the major three systems, the, the, I call them the ZTRs, the little truly in realty.com, and a lot of web 2.0 place, uh, companies and so forth. So I started really building into that and saying, how can I do something on the internet that no one else is doing? And that was really my kind of my claim to fame as you'll hear in this whole interview process. How long have you been in the business? About six and a half years now. How many homes did you sell last year? Last year, we came in at about 124 homes. Where is Fayetteville, New York? Fayetteville, New York is kind of in the center of New York, if you you can envision New York. Um, We're roughly about two and a half hours from Albany. If you want to say a placement from New York City, we're about five hours. We're still about five hours. You know, and that's that's the thing people don't understand. Where central New York or Syracuse is the larger name here, it's a very, very different than like a New York City, you know, and uh, we're we're five hours away, you know, so it's, there, is a, there is a span there. But Fayetteville has a population of about 4,400 people. And within Fayetteville, I service a county called Onondaga County. There's about 470,000 people roughly in Onondaga County. Um, but I handle four counties, so I don't just stay in this one county. 
this one Fayetteville area, because Fayetteville is a small marketplace. You know, every year only 150 homes sell in Fayetteville. You don't want to just focus on one area. You have to expand your marketplace. That's also what I do very differently is I expand out to four counties and I try to help people and expand my marketplace where I'm able to get bigger market share and sell more homes. Is Fayetteville a suburb of Syracuse? Yeah, it is a suburb. It's an affluent suburb. It's one of the highest average sale price towns. There's about three or four of them in that county, and that's one of those. So, and when I say highest average sale price, it's about 250000 So some people listening to this call say, that's, that's it, 250000 I mean, our marketplace, the average sale price is only 150000 So 250000 is a lot out here. Do you have a niche or a specialization in your market? Basically, my niche is just, is just helping people, really. It's just doing business. I, our market's, I'm not going to say it's small, but only about 44, um, you know, 4,400 homes even uh, sell a year, 4,000 homes sell a year in, in, in the marketplace. So when you're dealing with Onondaga County where 4,000 residential homes sell, it's hard to get that niche. The other thing is some marketplaces have a luxury market or a lakefront market, lake front market. We don't necessarily have that because any home that's valued over 350000 is only 4% of the market. So I don't like to put my eggs in one basket and go after a very small percentage of the market. Of course, the commissions could be higher and so forth in that range, but you sh- you're really taking chances. And a lot of times, those homes linger on the market 160 days, 180 days, 200 days, because people aren't understanding the market data. They're not understanding those you know, there's a low, low buyer pool that can afford that type of house. So I like to focus in a niche which is about a hundred to hundred and seventy thousand dollars, and that's where let's say a hundred, hundred and eighty. You know, last year was about a hundred and seventy. Now it's about a hundred and eighty thousand. So a hundred to two hundred, one hundred, one hundred thousand to hundred eighty thousand is really the specialty niche where almost all the home sales occur. So if you focus on sellers in that niche, a pricing niche you do pretty well. You know, you can sell homes quicker. There's a lot of buyers in that range. So that's what I try to focus on for my niche. Could you list out for us your top lead and business generating methods? Basically, the ways that I generate leads for my business, the most prevalent way with me is internet lead generation. That encompasses a lot of things, but, and that's more, more geared towards buyers. So, I'm a 60-40. I'm, I'm 60% buyers. I have 40% sellers. But I'm in, the, I'm in the real estate business. So I know that sellers can turn into buyers and buyers can turn into sellers. But my internet lead generation is such, going back a couple years, there was one point, let's say 2008, agents were still not utilizing the internet. Brokers were not paying for ads. There wasn't a huge, it started creeping up over those years. So I was generating on average 1,000 leads a month. It was crazy. I mean, I literally used to throw leads out. I'm I'm not joking. I used to rip them up, the papers, and throw them in the garbage because I didn't really have anyone to service them. And it sounds crazy, but it was the truth. Then I ended up forming a team, which we'll talk about, which I was able to leverage the team to handle those leads because I was generating so many leads. That was from a lot of paid third-party services, some PPC at that time. And the thing is, like I said, the marketplace was smaller, so I didn't have a lot of competition. Now, as things have changed with the big three, taking up some Google space, brokers, 
advertising on Google and so forth, you know, really putting more money into their websites and building their brand, it's probably what shrunk down to about four to 600 leads a month. And I'm even happy with 200, 200 leads as I try to cram those, the, down those marketing expenses from third-party services. Two to 400 leads is pretty good in my book. Internet lead generation is one of your big ones, and we'll come back and delve into that in a minute. Other ways you're generating leads? The other way that I, I, I kind of latched on to early was I adopted on, on my website. Um, it, was, uh, it also had a blog on there. So, you know, there's some great services out there that we, a lot of agents subscribe to, like Active Rain and so forth, and, you know, and they try to educate the agents. And that's one thing that it was so important to me was as someone new to Syracuse, I don't have the big database, the sphere of influence, you know, I don't know anyone. I, I don't know anyone in Syracuse. I'm a guy from Boston. So I said, how am I going to get out there? And that's why I tapped into the internet. And also I said, people want information. And that was a way through blogging. So I was an early adopter of blogging, which now has turned into a marketing system for me, you know, for my assistant to, to utilize. And we write blogging, you know, you know, we have, we have goals every month, how many blog articles to write, you know, structured the right way. We are able to now generate leads through blogging for sellers because sellers have now taken the shift and gone online looking for a real estate agent. So if you go on your computer and type in top agent Syracuse, New York, chances are I'm going to come up on first page organic results. And so we look to say, what is the consumer looking for? And what, what terms are they looking for? So blogging is a huge opportunity for agents. I don't, it's underutilized. It still is. It's, not, it's no new technology. You know, so we have the WordPress sites. We have a lot of different WordPress sites and a lot of different platforms. But our main hub site is what we really use. And we're able to get good ranking and good authorityship through Google. And, and, and people do find me. I would say every month, I'm generating, you know, two to three new seller appointments a month, and the conversions are really good because they already learned about me. I was already pre-sold, and that's the thing. I want to find people that understand my message up front. I don't want to have to sell people. You know, I want to attract the right people. I don't want mass amount of people. I want the right people that understand my message, want to work with me, and if everything else fits, we have a good connection. So blogging has been huge to my business on both buyers and sellers. The other systems that I utilize as an overview as for sale by owners have always been something I, I, from day one, I started with for sale by owners, prospecting, 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 but I always wanted to do it a little differently. Everything about my business, which is good and bad is I do things very differently than every other agent. You know, if an agent do an X, I always say I do Y. The only reason that's bad is, Sometimes if everyone's doing it one way and Bob McTagg or you as an agent is doing it this way, some people question that and say, hmm, why are you not doing it this way? And everyone else is. The good news is through the success of my clients, I can show them and they say, okay, the guy has the performance. So he must be doing something right. You know, if it, you know, so that, but you got to have the performance back to you. If you're going to do things differently, you got to back it up. That's what I'm trying to say. But so the FISBOs have been huge. The for sale by owners have been huge for me in my business tapping into them, but learning about how to do it a little differently, which we'll get into, and how to run a good for sale by owner system to show them that you're the expert. That's the guy I want to pick if I can't sell my house. 
It's not about pestering. It's about putting the right message in front of them. It's not about beating their door down. It's really about showing value, solving their problem. That's the whole goal of marketing and sales is giving someone a solution to their problem or to their need. And that's it. You know, and people make it too difficult, overselling. One of the other things I do, which we talked about, is a buyer lead generation. I do a lot of organic placement on Google. I also do a little offline. I, don't, I do not invest in a lot of offline methods. I don't do the newspaper. I don't do open houses. Because we will do some farming. And one program that I found really beneficial to me was Every Door Direct. The cost of the postcards, we really were able to cram those, those costs down for our business and really blanket an area. And if we talk about some farming, uh, you know, I can go more deeper into that. But that's also some offline. But everything I do offline, I bring it back to online. So everything offline is going to have a mechanism to attract someone to go online, fill out a form, a capture form, a lead generation page, learn more about me, videos, this, that. It's going to really sell them so I don't have to do the selling. My job is to find out what, they, what their problem is and can I solve it like a doctor. That's how I run my business. Are you also working expired listings? No, I do work expired listings. For me, for sale by owners, I just like for sale by owners. Expired listings in our marketplace, 4,000 homes sell per year. So, you know, we do have our share of expired listings, but it's not, how should I say it? It's, it's something that you can go through. Like when I forget to talk about my expired listing program, we can basically pick the expired listings that come up and there's only about five or 10 a week that we really want to go after that we're really that type of listing that suits our marketing. So it's not a huge, huge opportunity. There is an opportunity. I'm not saying it's not, but it's, I find for sale by owners, there's less people, less agents in my marketplace that are going after that type of business. So it's, it's a better conversion for us, you know, um, that we have found. Let's take apart each of these and let's dive deep. Let's go to the internet leads. Sounds like you've done a lot of work on the internet for quite a few years now. You had a system generating a thousand leads a month with competition that's reduced down to four to 500 per month, but still a, a large chunk of business. How are you generating those leads? You start to mention you're doing some pay-per-click and uh, third-party placements. Tell us how those leads are coming in. There's four parts to this. There's the organic. So we're writing good blogging to attract leads. And, and, and here's the thing. You know, every, every article you write has to have a call to action. If you're talking about a certain subdivision or a neighborhood or something something that's going on in the town and someone finds that, you want them a way to click something through your article, the end of the blog, to go search for homes. Ultimately, that's where you want to get them to. You want to get them to your IDX page or a call it, you know, a lead capture page, have them fill out a form, register. That's going to build a conversation. And that's how I look at it. Everything's a conversation. It's all it is. So that's one way, just by simple blogging. The second way is paying for the ads through Yahoo, Bing, Google, and paying for those ads, you got to be careful because some people don't know how to run the campaigns. I mean, they have to hire out. It's pretty simplified if you get into it. If you're going to do your own lead generation, you're probably the type of agent that wants to learn about those things, wants to learn about search engine optimization, wants to learn about Google and, you know, and all that stuff. So 
you can run your own campaigns. So that's the second thing. We do a lot of placement, and we send those people to different lead generators. So we're doing a lot of testing. Testing is important. We're measuring you know, results. We're changing things. We're all, you know, I'm a person that doesn't stay constant. I mean, I'm pretty much changing things up. If, I, if I, I change a script, change a message in my ads on Google, trying to get the best conversions. So we're always testing things, changing things. Then the other part is third party. There's a lot of providers out there that you can pay. So everyone knows there's the big guys out there, Tiger Leads. There's Market Leader. So what they do is obviously they would devise a campaign for you. You would pay into those companies. You would have a backdoor IDX management system, and they would pay for their leads. So you'd give them four or five, six hundred thousand dollars or more, depending on the marketplace, and they would generate twenty, thirty, forty, fifty leads a month. And basically, that would be another lead capture mechanism. Now, I've gone away from that. Basically, I do invest into one company for lead, a couple of companies for lead generation. One of them is Zerpel. And I don't mind sharing that with anyone. And that's more of a behavioral marketing system, which has been beneficial to us. So you would pay them. You get their unique product that you can manage leads. So you need a good management system. But they would also generate leads for you on the Internet. Another one that we're testing now is Agent Jet. But we don't have pay-per-click signed up with that. So we're getting away from letting the companies pay for generating leads because Basically, I know how to do it myself, and, and I don't really need that portion of it. But we still use that third-party system to manage the leads, to track the leads, and to get better conversions. And then, obviously, beyond the market leaders and all those companies, Bloomtowns and Tiger Leads and all them, you have the big three. And that's been a big push, and a lot of realtors have been hesitant, in my opinion. But they've been, I, I think a lot of realtors aren't understanding that Zillow, Truly, or Realtor.com are meant to get conversations. And those structures that are in place are consumer-centric. If the consumer wants those models, why not benefit off of those Zillow, Truly, and Realtor.com? And there are ways you can do it without paying. I can't get into it right now. My point is that you can, what I'm saying is you can really minimize your costs, but you got to go where the buyers are. So many agents are resistant to that, you know. And I always like to not go where the agents are, but you've got to go where the buyers are. And there's still enough open space even on those platforms where you can attract leads. So we generate leads from there as well. I'll say you right now, I spend money in those sites. At one time I was against them and I said, wait a second, if that's where the buyers are, us in real estate haven't figured it out enough. We should have built that platform for them. And we didn't. So it's kind of our own fault, you know. And it's not that. Everything's going to evolve. And that's why these companies are buying up the market leaders. And Zillow bought Diverse Solutions. You know, it's another IDX provider we use. So those companies are getting bigger. And those, com- those other brands are merging with them. And that's business today. You know, you can't stop it. Give the consumer what they want. Don't resist it and find a a channel the consumer to you. So that's basically the three three or four systems, how to generate leads. So basically, that's kind of the four systems, how to generate the leads. And there's a whole system behind it. What I will say to people with lead generation, a lot of agents don't invest into uh, buyer lead generation. A lot of agents can get the leads, 
but what you say to the to the prospect, how you manage the leads is more important than even getting them because with me, my leads are gold. My whole goal in business in 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 real estate is not about selling houses. It's about lead generation. It's about marketing. So I know if I have a funnel and I can dump into my database thousands of leads a year, and I know that, and I know that the, the average prospect today looking for homes online is now up to almost 12 months as a buyer. So I know they're coming in the funnel, and I can capture them, and I can maintain them and make sense to them every month and give them an automated, you know, automated emails that make sense and put them on a good, good autoresponder and so forth. And I can really make sense every month with them with a good message and send them the right listings and let them be free to look at the listings in my database. After 12 months, there's a good chance when they're ready, I'm going to be the guy they talk to because most agents won't take that much time and don't understand the life cycle of a buyer that when someone comes in your system today, that's okay. Six months from now, they might be ready. And that's what we're doing. We're finding people after two years are now coming to us say, hey, Bob, thanks for you know, keeping in touch with us for two years. We're ready to buy a house today. Fantastic. And that's where the fault of the agent is. They don't have the systems in place. They don't, they don't have the time and they don't have the ability to automate things and understand that it's not about today, it's about tomorrow. Build the pipeline. That's the biggest thing you can do is build a list. And you can tap into your list every single month and find who's and, – and, and we through the people that are 30 days out. That's what we do, 60 days, 90 days, just looking. And we put those people in different categories. And we send different messages to those people, different messages to the people already in 30 days. And we try to make conversions, we try to make connections, and we try to get appointments that turn into closing, will turn into contracts and closings. So that's the thing about the list and about the list building that I think a lot of agents aren't doing in their business. And they're focusing on some of the wrong things. It's all about connections, conversations. We do it through buyer lead generation. Some people do it through other ways. But that's the way the business is going. Some folks are lead collectors, and you're a lead converter. Absolutely. We're trying to find out who we want to work with. You know, we're trying to basically say, is this person ready 30 days, 60 days, 90 days? Are they just looking for someone else? They don't even want to look, or they just, whatever. And we have to communicate, and it's okay. You know, when we have to unsubscribe someone, that's great news, because that person doesn't want a service, they're not ready. We want to focus on the people and cram those people into a certain list where they're ready in 30 days. So we're there when they need the help. They might stumble into an open house. See, what a lot of people don't know is you want to catch the fish upstream, not once they hit the pond of all the agents sitting around with the fishing poles. You know, that's the thing. So if the lead generation on the internet is catching people upstream, maintaining that relationship. They might dabble into and stop into an open house, maybe make good rapport with an agent. But if you have those connections all the way through, you say the right thing at the right time and through, you know, through your emails and conversations, you'll have that buyer. That buyer will end up calling you and saying, thank you so much, Bob. You're the only one that's been sending me listings for a whole year. Some agents after a year will give up on people. We don't do that. We keep people in until they ask to unsubscribe. 
let's look at some of the, the metrics, try to get a big picture here. You've generated a lot of leads. How many internet leads are sitting in your database? Well, I have more than one database. Okay, so that's one thing in, in my business, you know, it's always about trying to find one solution that will do all, right? It's, it's so hard to find that. But let's just say, oh, man, uh, let's just pick one, like a, a Zerpal database that we have, five, 5,000 leads just in that database. And we know that 85% of the people aren't ready today or more higher. They may not even be ready at all. You know, that's okay. That's okay. And then, you know, through maybe an MLS database, another 5,000 that we cram down it. Okay. So altogether could be 20,000 people in a database. You know, that's a lot of people. But then we're focusing who's, again, zero to 30 days out. And most people, if you ask the right questions and do the right email marketing and the right you know, scripting and the right titles to attract someone to answer you and the right questions, then you can get people to tell you, hey, Bob, I've got to sell my house. I live in Florida. I'm not yet ready. I'll talk to you next year. That's okay. You put those people in a different system. So we're always moving and shuffling people around in our systems. And it's a lot of work, but it pays off. My return on investment for internet lead generation is right about 300%. You know, three, it's 300%, you know, return on investment. So in my book, if I didn't have buy a lead generation and do what I do, I would be struggling or waiting for the phone to ring or whatever. So communication doesn't have to be knocking on doors. Communication is, can be sitting at the computer, managing database or having your assistant do it or whoever and getting those conversions. People used to laugh at me, actually agents, when I started the business and always would sit at the computer. And all the agents would run around and say to me, Bob, you got to get off this computer. You're going to get no business done. And then when I surpassed them and all the buyer transactions, you know, I just creeped up and they're like, where's this guy get all his business? And then they started adopting the same tools and copying systems and some of the bigger teams in my office back in the day. But they used to always say to me, you're on the computer too much. And I said, that's okay. You know, I used to chuckle and laugh about it. But it's the truth because I always remember and they would always you know, comment on that and it paid off. That's all I got to say because I was building a lot of things on the internet, like constantly blogging and structures and linking and to my IDX and different pages. It was just like a maze of things and no one could really understand what I was doing, but it's, it's paying off today. So anything you do today, you might not benefit the results tomorrow, but you're building something and have this insight and the vision for something in the future. So you're building a system today that's going to pay you maybe next year, but that's okay. Start systems today that will pay you later on, and then you'll never have a roller coaster ride. You'll always have business coming from four to five different systems, and it will fill the void. That's very, very important to me and my business. Bob, on your internet leads, what is your conversion rate? If you were to get 100 leads in, how many of those would you convert into customers? That's a great question. You know, conversion rates, if we're doing 1% to 2%, I know that sounds low, out of 100, it's one or two leads. That's good in the internet world. I mean, people say to me, oh, no, 10 to 20%. Well, if you're just, you know, you're scraping leads off the internet and just put them in a funnel... One to two percent is pretty much the average. I mean, if you're more focused and people are going to a more focused page, then or more niche marketing, 
then the, the conversion rate could be higher. See, because you have to also understand on the conversion rates is, they, the consumer that's going onto your website and looking for homes on your IDX system or you, you know, your capture page, chances are they've jumped to four different other sites. Zillow, Trulia, Realtor.com, Brokers of IDXs, this site. So who's, who makes sense, who responds faster is the one that wins. And the one that stays with the, that consumer all the way through is the one that wins. I know companies that just adopted a drip campaign, you know, a couple of years back. I mean, we've been doing a drip campaign and, and, and tailoring our drip and, and, and people in different drip campaigns and email marketing campaigns since I started. And, and uh, people are now getting into the game of doing that. And so one to 2% conversion rate is, is all I look for because my cost of that, I don't look at it as I only got one to two buyers from that. It goes way beyond that. That consumer, which again, we could talk about is worth so much more than that cost of that lead because after the sale follow-up, referrals, you know, you name it. So, so a lot of people say, I would never pay $10, $50, $100 for a lead. I don't look at it like that. I look at that lead could be $10,000, $20,000, you know? So I look at things very differently than most, most agents would on lead generation. A lot of people stay away from if you heard I'm only going to get a 1-2% conversion, they'd say, why would I do that? But when you're doing the volume and you're always building your pipeline, there's always people raising their hand every month as you keep building it, it's worth it. Well, I think you mentioned it before. You said your return on investment is 300%. So you put a dollar into internet marketing, you're getting $3 back out. Absolutely. A lot of people don't understand those numbers and say, how can that be possible? If you have good systems in place, it's, that's, that's a huge part of my business. It's definitely possible, but you have to make it a part of your business. You have to change your thinking as a real, typical real estate agent. You, know, you have to look at it as my job is to get conversions, and I'm not just going to do lead generation. That's the fault I see a lot of people say is I'm only going to work with buyers, and I'm only going to focus on buyers. I'm only going to do lead generation. I'm only going to do this. And they don't have the other systems. You need like a table, right? If you have, if you don't have four legs, you're gonna topple over. And and so, I'm not saying you have to put all your eggs in one basket, but if you can get those types of returns, then that's huge. And then as you implement the other systems, it's just huge. Now, one problem is if you're a solo agent and you're generating those mono leads, how the heck can you manage the leads? How can you follow up? Well, at that point, if you can pay for the lead generation systems, you can do all that. You hire an assistant. You hire people. You hire leverage. And that's what I've done is I have agents. I have buyer's agents. That was the real reason I formed a team. One of the only reasons I ever formed a team was because I had too many leads. And I had something to offer agents that other people could not. They could jumpstart their business by getting conversations right off the bat. And that's from email, phone, whatever, you know, text, email, phone. But they could talk to people. They could see a name and phone number. And that was, that was the biggest thing with me, why I formed a team, because of my lead generation system. If I didn't have that, what could I really offer? You know, another method, how to pick up expires and FISBOs. You know, I, the lead generation is, is still, I would tell you, most of the bigger teams are more involved in lead generation because they have to feed the team and they know the importance of it. But there's still such a disparity. There's not a lot of agents 
that he's utilizing regeneration. And it's partly due to the demographics and learning curve and all that stuff. And they've been burned and they don't understand leads and so forth by third-party systems and stuff. But but it's really, it's going to keep growing. It's going to keep growing. It's, it's, it's not something going away. Bob, you mentioned that you have these conversion systems, these follow-up, I think you mentioned drip systems. Could you walk us through your follow-up system on these leads? A lead comes in today. What happens next? This is what happens. Depending on the page, like I said, I have a bunch of different systems, so I don't want to confuse anyone. But basically, a lead comes in. You capture the person's name, information, phone number, email, whatever. At that moment, me as my, the team leader, I'm a team leader at the team, I'm alerted by text, by phone, that a new lead subscribed. At that point, depending on the system that they went into, there could be a round robin with the agents. It could be sent out through my assistant, depending on the system. But that agent would get the lead. Now, if that agent didn't respond, the drip would respond to them like, welcome, thank you, you're going to be receiving listings. Now, depending on what system they went through, the, the buyer could sign up could sign up and do their own search, but we would still follow up with them. We would still try to converse with them. Now, some systems I employed, like Zerpel, and I'm not trying to promote them at all or anything like that, but Zerpel is, what I found was I was having an accountability issue with the management of the leads. So the leads came in, they were sent to the agent. If the agent didn't get back to them in time, if there was a phone number or even an email and just, you know, say something positive, like one of our biggest scripts was, and I'm going to give you a script, was when a lead would come in, we would say, are you just browsing or looking for something in particular? Now, it's an open-ended question. It's not like, are you just browsing, right? No one's going to answer that. So if someone said, hey, we're just browsing, okay, that's okay. But now we started a conversation. Right? Some people are afraid of email, you know, afraid of, of phone, afraid of emails, afraid to talk. So, or they'd say, you know what? I am looking for something. Okay? So that was our gateway or that was our way into building a conversation with simple little strategies like that. So going back to why I adopted this system called Zerpel, because it was behavioral marketing. So what I was finding was some agents weren't following up, some of the agents I had on my team. And what, what this system would do was if someone was in the system and looked at a property five times, what it would do was it, if the agent didn't respond and see that significant activity that they were doing on your system, the system would send out an email automatically and say, hey, John, I saw you that you looked at 123 Main Street five times. Is there any other information I can offer you and provide about this listing? So I found that to be beneficial because nothing fell through the cracks. The problem was that you were kind of buying into agents and abilities. So one would say, let's just find better agents. And basically, that's what I'm trying to do now. All right. So I still use that system, but I don't want a robot to talk. I would like my agents or myself, we respond quickly and we fill a need. We solve a problem. We find out. Another big tagline I always use, which, which you can use, and it's, this is a real good one, what's your story? People love to talk by email because they're in back of a computer. They can be open. You're going to hear the good, bad, and the ugly, but when you say, thanks for being a subscriber of our service, What's your story? Tell me your story. Like to, I'm curious. People like to tell this story. And that's been really a powerful thing to get good convergence from that, where people really open up. Like I said, good and bad, but 
and they're opening up and you can find out if you can help them. So there's so many little strategies to get better conversions. So that's some of the things we use. But basically what would happen, let's go back here. So the lead comes in, the agent gets the lead. Technically on my team, I would like someone, if it's a phone number, to respond immediately. When I say immediately, I'm talking right then and there. So if they get the lead, they need to respond. And if they don't respond at one point, I didn't know if they were, if they were responding, which I'll get to the next point. So I didn't know if they were responding. I knew maybe they were sending out an email from the system because I could go in the back office and see the email that was sent, and I knew that, but it was really hard to manage. So we would respond. We'd find out. If we couldn't find out, the person didn't respond, we'd put them in the system. But through the system, through a lot of systems like Market Leader, Boomtown, all these systems, they have some have what's called opportunity walls, some have uh, you know, the, the behavior of the client, whatever. You could see if the person's surfing on there, using your site, how many times. And then through that, you would reach out to those people to try to connect with them. And that's lead management. And then what we do throughout is just try to find out who's more active than not and reach out to those people to try to get a conversation, to try to get an appointment, never really sell them. It's never about selling them, just trying to give them information and always present as a customer service system, not as a sales system. It's all customer service. So that's how we do it. It's pretty simple. But when you're dealing with agents, you're dealing with the team, you have to have accountability. So now we have a new system we adopted, which is called Agent Jet. It's new to the market, and we're testing that. And that has a little more accountability. You, as a team leader, your interface is more integrated so you can see what the agents are doing, when they're responding, and it's, it's just a better management tool than some of the other ones I've found. And I've tested a lot. And so this is something new we're testing. But it's the accountability not letting that lead fall through the crack because that one lead for a dollar or 50 cents, to me, I'm thinking it's $10,000. And I don't know which one out of 100, those two, one or two, are going to be the ones that are going to transact. And if you don't do the right follow-up, you'll never find out. To track your agent's response time, how are you able to track, one, their phone Two, if they send an email or a text, how are you tracking how quickly they respond? Are you still working on trying to identify that? I'm still working on that. It's called sleepless nights with me. <laughs> Basically, I don't sleep. So I, I try, <laughs> I'm always in databases. But seriously, what happens is I had a, a strict accountability measure with my agents that if, you, if you're getting an X amount of leads, I mean, I run everything through spreadsheets, and I know if I get X amount of leads based on these conversion numbers, how many leads I should convert, how many website visits turn into leads. I mean, that's, that's me. I'm a numbers guy. So what I say is on performance ratings, we would say if you're not converting X amount of leads out of this and you had a seasoned database, something's wrong. So there was a lot of training and going back to the basics and with the meetings and so forth. And so we would have to do that. I would find out which agent is not converting, why they're not converting. Looking through the databases, now I'm having better accountability systems to look and say, well, here's why. You got this lead yesterday, and you even haven't even been in the system to update it. So I'm able now to go in. It's already happened, the problem or not a problem, and say the lead came in at 12 o'clock today, and you didn't even update the system until 3 o'clock. 
you know, if you're on the buyer team, you're just a buyer's agent. Why? Why? Like, are you that busy? What's your schedule? What's going on? What do you need help with? What, what, you know, time management, let me help you. And so it's been a huge challenge. I would tell you that most of these agents, most of these people who devise these systems like agent jet and some other systems, a lot of them are agents saying, I need a better way because it's such a problem running a small team, even a brokerage to have accountability. And that's, that's one of the things. You run a lot of numbers. You look at a lot of spreadsheets. Do you have this number for us? I'm looking for the number of leads that you would give out to each agent per month. Do you have a number that you're trying to, a target you're trying to hit? Let me break it down a little because this is important too. Unlike a typical team, when I decided to form a team, I didn't listen to anyone. I didn't say, oh, let's read this book on running the best team or how to structure a team. I said, I want to be different. You know, good or bad, let's be different. By the way, I'm not a broker. I'm, I'm just a real estate agent. I never got my broker's license. And I can still run a team in the state of New York, but I don't, not typically a broker, okay? But when I have the team, I said, I want to have agents. I don't want to have buyer's agents, seller's agents. And I'm going to be a, a, a practicing member. I'm going to show everyone something can be done. So one year I faulted and went back and said, I'm going to let everyone do everything. I'm just going to oversee, manage. Big mistake. Income went down. Things didn't work out. I stepped back in, took control of my business the last two and a half years. Things have been better than ever. And it shows the team Bob's working. Bob's a participating member. There's no competition. He has his business. But to this day, I really take my own leads. So when I distribute leads, it's twofold. Did you meet your goals? Because if you didn't, you're off the lead team. That's how I work. So if someone doesn't meet their goals, they don't receive leads until they convert their old past database. So on average, there's some agents that there is a one buyer's agent I hired because I said, I want now to hire outside the industry or a brand new agent. Because most people that have been agents, and I don't, I'm not going to stereotype here, but most agents do not want to sit on a computer, lead generate, do data entry. So it's hard to change some of the things they want to do and they don't want to sometimes do lead generation. But some of the new agents or people outside the industry who are in sales through their company understand the, more of the importance of lead generation and their ability to latch on has been a little better for me. So that's what I'm trying to do is hire people outside the industry now that have a sales background that want to manage these databases and, and find the gold, okay? So to answer your question, it depends. Like a buyer's agent for me might get over 100 leads a month. But remember, they have a database that's growing every month. So at 1,000, let's say 1,000 leads in the system at 1% to 2% conversion rate, you know, let's say 10 to 20 deals from that agent, right? So then it could be a spinoff business from that agent. Obviously, every buyer lead could turn into a seller lead, could turn into another lead. We look at the potential of each person. That's four deals deep, each person, you know, from who they know and all that. But think about that. You know, that's all I care about. If that agent's generating 20 to 30 deals a year, they have done the, they have done the job with the lead generation system. I always tell people that 
as of right now, my systems are good for 100 deals a year just from buyer lead generation. And it's the system. So if, if it doesn't produce that, it's the agent failure. I hate to be hard like that, but it is. Because there's enough leads in there to generate 100 deals a year. And that's, a, that's to give you rough numbers, that's a f- financial investment to generate those numbers 20, let's say 20 to $30,000 on the high side. And now, and I talk these numbers because a lot of agents don't like to talk about numbers, but think about this. I'm in a marketplace where the average commission is only $3,000. Something that makes me sick when I watch a millionaire real estate agent in California. I'm, I just want to cry. So I, I say, imagine an agent out there doing the same system, spending maybe a little more because it's a little more competitive. So let's just say it's a little more. Let's say it's been 50000 But imagine if you were making a million dollars off of 50000 That's a pretty good business. You know, and, and that's, that's what I'm talking about. I mean, agents really need to look at the numbers and understand you have to invest in your business the right way to get those returns out on the other end. And those returns are there. It's just not enough people are really looking at those numbers. Okay. I'm unfortunately, I'm in a marketplace. It's a good marketplace, but unfortunately my average commission is only $3,000, you know, average. Bob, you've mentioned several times this company Zerpel. Is Zerpel a lead generation system or is it a follow-up system? It's a lead generation system where you can purchase ads where they will do a campaign for you. So I don't want to quote prices here because I don't, I don't really know, but let's just say someone had one town, zip code. So they, they do it by area. So let's say Syracuse, New York, and they would run a campaign on Google, maybe Bing, Yahoo, and generate, let's say, 40 leads for you through the system. And then you could also market outside to bring your own leads in, or you could import your own leads. So basically it's a lead system to capture leads. And then once they're in the system, they have this behavioral marketing to manage your leads. And the analytics to me on that system are better than anyone else. And again, I'm not trying to promote them, but they're, they're very good analytics and they're really good trackability to see what the client's looking at, how many times they looked at the property, where they're from by the geotagging, how many emails were sent to them? How many emails you sent to them? So it's a good system like that. The only problem is, you know, my opinion is if you're running a big team, it's hard to find out the accountability. So the second system, AgentJet, had a better accountability. I'm not talking bad about one company or another. They're all great. You just have to find the fit that you need and how, how it's going to work for your business. And then some people love Boomtown. They love Tiger Leads. They love Market Leader. You know, everyone has its own thing. The only thing I don't like, and that's my personal advice, is I don't want a system that everyone else has. I'm not saying they give you exclusivity. And a lot of times they only do pick two agents per market on most of these systems. But something like Market Leader, a lot of agents have that. So to the consumer, you look the same. Your system looks the same. And if they find another agent with that same system, they might start using that system. And then, so there's no... They can't differentiate between one or the other. You know, they can't really see who's different here. And a lot of these systems are taking away the agent branding and trying to make them more consumer-centric, which is the ultimate goal. Give the consumer what they want. Stop putting too much emphasis on personal agent branding. There's times for branding to resonate a certain message, to get a lead more qualified, and then there's times where people start this search where you have to back off and 
give the control and the power to the consumer. Let them freely still capture their information, but then let them make a decision and show value through your messages, through your programs, and through what you offer, and your speedness, your promptness, the way you respond back to leads. That will seal the deal. Now, a quick word from our sponsor, RealGTV, real estate agent lead generation television, where top agents reveal exactly how they create consistent flows of home buyer and home seller leads into their practices every month. Need more leads? Hit the pause button right now. Open Google and search RealGTV. That's R-E-A-L-G dot TV. Now, back to the show. Bob, let's do this. Let's go back for a second. You talked about niche blogging and generating SEO leads. I believe you said you're getting like two to three good seller leads per month off that. Could you give us a little more details about your niche blogging system and how it works? I'm going to give away some of my secrets here. <laughs> so if you're in another marketplace, I really don't care. And, and, and honestly speaking, statistically, this is a funny thing. The National Association of Realtors did a study last year. And I, think, I, I don't know the exact number, but I think it was how many agents maintain a blog. It was very low on the scale. I think it was like 1% to 2%. I don't know. It might have been higher. The reason I say that is because you need to, and it's not that difficult. So let's, let's start here where you asked me the question. What are people searching for? What is the need? And what are the trends? Something to look for is always look for trends. You can go into Google Trends. It's a great site. I don't know if you went on it. But Google Trends, you can see what the trends are over the Internet, what people are talking about. Today, it's a social society. You take cues from different things that are going on. Another great thing to read into, which is, is relevant here, is a study Google did, but it's called the Zero Moment of Truth. Zero Moment of Truth. Z-M-O-T. Look that up on Google. Fascinating. And they also bring a National Association of Realtors study into that from Dead Digital Magazine. But fascinating study. It talks about the consumer life cycle and all that stuff, and it's just fantastic to get trends and understand those things. So one trend that I saw was why was all these third-party companies popping up like Angie's List, right? Third-party companies like them and other third-party resellers of seller leads. At one time, Home Gain was just listed leads or whatever it was called. Home Gain was really popular with that system. I think I don't think it was Home Gain. I think it was Market Leader at the time had just listed whatever type leads. House values. That was what I'm trying to get to. House values. So now there's an emergence of all these lead generators trying to generate seller leads. So that was a trend. And I said, hmm, how can I capitalize on that, knowing what I know, knowing what I know about search engine optimization, and rank organically, where I'm not paying for the ad, not paying, rank organically. So one of my strategies was, since I call myself the top agent, you know, I mean, I don't like to use that term frequently, but my point is I do sell a lot of homes so I can back that up. I'm going to submit blogs out there to every single town with the title, top agent Syracuse, top agent Fayetteville, New York, you know, all those different variations. And then within the structure of the ad, you have to know how to create a right ad. Body has to have good H1 tags and certain amount of keyword placement within and good tagging. And, and through that, I was able to rank for those keywords organically. I get calls every month says, hey, I saw you on 
I read your article. I found you on Google. Great. It's a free lead. I'm going to now qualify that client. We'll qualify the customer and see if they can be a client. And that's something that I do heavily. Again, I'm trying to disqualify more people than I qualify because I do not waste time in my business anymore. And then at that point, to me, if I get the appointment, it was still a free lead technically. And it showed that my marketing is working. And so then I would capitalize on that. Then I would generate blogging that would say, I would go one step beyond. So I would take this top agent Fayetteville and I'll say, how many neighborhoods are in Fayetteville that are popular? Top agent, XYZ neighborhood. Top agent, XYZ neighborhood. Then I would keep filtering that down. So I was creating a structure and then linking everything back. It's called the link wheel. Kind of complicated stuff, but basically to get good rankings. Okay? And if you have a good blog or WordPress, and by doing this, you will rank. Now, there's other factors here. I was also, I learned how to become an authority of Google. So when someone clicks, puts in top agent Syracuse, they're going to see my picture. And no one else has a picture, so that's another strong call to action. Oh, you know, this guy looks half normal. Let's click on this, you know. So that's another aspect of it. And that's, that's called Google authorship. Authorship. Authorship, we can call it. It's in the, basically being an authority of Google. And there's easy ways through Google Plus to do that. And I can't go on this call because it would take me three hours to explain it. But basically, look into that. Very powerful. So that was my strategy. And then I took it one step further. I said, hmm, let's do some Google Analytics of what are the terms that you're searching for? How about best agent, Syracuse? How about best realtor? Be careful because whenever you brand realtor, you've got to be careful with the trademark. But how about those types of things? So then you create those things and you spin the article, your blog, so it has different text. Okay? And so there's a whole structure here. And the point is that if I can get two to three listing appointments a month just from simple tools like that plus all my other systems, do you see how it all comes into place where I'm not waiting for the phone to ring? I know this business. Every day I wake up, I turn on my computer, I know, I can, I know I'm going to be dealing with someone. And that's what you need. You need people calling you because of your messages. You're not finding them and beating the door down and forcing them. And if you have to try to close someone, I don't care what anyone says, five times before you get the appointment, that's not my style. I want people calling me. I want them to see the value. And if they don't want to do business with me, that's okay. That's okay. Because there's enough people out there to help. The problem is agents don't have that pipeline, but you got to start somewhere. So that's basically the, some of the niche blogging I do. But one step further, I have to mention this, one step further. Power of YouTube is huge. So YouTube, Google, they're the same. You know, Google owns YouTube. Creating niche videos, creating anything. And the other day I was uh, trying to find a plumber, right? So I... Went on Google, Plumber, Syracuse. All of a sudden, YouTube, crappy little video, has the plumber's information, phone number. I called it. Plumber got my business. That's my point here. And people are searching out. See, people now are going online. There's a small group of people going online to find a real estate agent as a seller's agent, as a listing agent. But those small people are focused people. 
those people are focused because they're going to include you in the interview process with the referral they had from Susie Q and this person that told me he's the business agent. But now they have Bob McTagg who's saying a totally different thing, is giving them a totally different message, doing a totally different thing. They're saying, wow. And one thing I didn't mention is the power of, of press releases, free press releases. When you make it to be a successful agent, to talk about those things and put those things out there where people can read testimonials. And it's just huge, huge, huge to people believing your message. And those blogging and those articles are just huge. And they're going to put you at the top of the list when they're interviewing you and two other agents. On this niche blogging, it sounds like the title of your post is so significant. That's really uh, heavily keyword oriented. I assume you have some more of that in the body, but could you describe what you're putting in the body of that post? The body of the post, we want to basically not really sell ourselves. You know, like, hi, I'm the top agent in Syracuse. You need to call me today. Basically, what you want to do is refer that out to a link. Maybe it's, it's always third parties conversation. It's not you. It's like Bob McTagg has successfully helped, and that's, that's key, not has sold, has successfully helped X amount of buyers and sellers in Fayetteville. Bob McTagg, blah, blah, blah. But it's always about helping, helping people meet their goals. Now, from that simple article, there would be a link, read why he is the top agent. There's a link going to your press release. Again, third-party written makes you look good. There could be a link now to your branding on your social aspect of your Facebook page. One thing I do, you try to link all those things. We have this mass structure that's linking, and that's called like a link wheel uh, you know, for SEO. And, and then you link all that, and it shows good authority, and it shows you're an expert. This guy's the authority figure. Wow, look at all this stuff written about him. Look at all this great things. And now you can't make things up. Now, this is, again, this is for new agents. I did this for an agent that went out to Lexington. He's from, from New York. He got his license, became a new agent. So he, I kind of coached him through my systems, and I said, forget about top agent. Let's do next top agent, because you're going to be the top agent. So I, you know, I, I basically set him up and, and did it. Now that he's very successful in a short period of time using some of these systems, he basically then switched it to top agent. Okay, But the point is, so that wasn't stretching the truth. He's the next top agent. So in the body, we would again create a couple sentences, a nice imagery. You always want images in there. And then we'd have a link back to an article or a press release or something like that. There's other ways you can do that or back to his Facebook page or something. But, But my point is that in the body, you have to keep it simple. You don't want to keyword stuff the, the body. You want to have good tags. But it's really the important part is the title. It's the title with the right tagging and a little of the body. And seeing the relevance, it will rank higher. Now, sometimes it might be on page two or page three. But as you keep pressing forward and building your site and building your blog and building all that and getting the steam ahead, Google's going to recognize you as, as you know an authority figure and building all that, and you will rank higher for those keywords. And there's not many people doing that. So the tip on this call, I guarantee if someone puts this in action in their marketplace, you will see the results. 
you will see the results. And when you'll rank higher than the Angie's list and all those and all those other paid ones, you'll be right up there. And that's a small group of sellers that are looking for an agent that way, but those are the group that's motivated. See, buyers, everyone's looking on the internet and they're starting six, 12 months out. They all start on the internet, but on sellers, they don't all start on the internet. That's a new trend. And so when they go on the internet, they're ready to sell their house and they just want another agent in the mix. I'd like to switch gears here. Still talking about marketing, but you mentioned earlier you have a for sell by owner program, a system that's working really well. I'd like to hear a little bit about that. Can you tell us what you're doing with for sell by owners? Yeah, I can. One thing I want to talk about is, which ties into the for sell by owners and all my systems is um, I was an early adopter of a message and going to sound gimmicky, but basically everything I do to market to sellers for sale by owners expires all has a 30 day message. And it's not one of those, and I'm not saying there's any bad messages out there, a bait and switch, but it's basically, I guarantee I'll sell your house in 30 days. Now, it's not I'll buy your house. It's not one of those programs, but I'm so confident in my pricing, my marketing, that if someone listens to my price, which is maximizing the market value, true market value, I will sell their house in 30 days or less. And if I don't, they can exit the contract, so there's no lock, or I give them a financial benefit. I don't want to speak about what it is, but I would give them a financial benefit to stay within the contract as a rebate at closing, which is legal in the state of New York currently. And basically, that's if, if I didn't follow through. But 99% of the people don't adopt the program, but I still sell their house in 30 days less because I don't usually take listings from for sale by owners or expireds or from anyone if they don't meet my price. So I used to be, I'll do anything for a seller. I'll meet your price. But if they don't fit within my price because I'm actually spending money on their home, I'm actually investing into their property, you know, with marketing and I'm confident enough, I'm telling them the truth. Everything I do now is about truth-based marketing. And it's, it's and everything I do now, if I, the listing doesn't meet my expectations and goals, I don't take it. I'd rather have less listings that sell at a rapid rate than a lot of listings in my inventory. And some agents, they think I'm crazy to say that, but it's been highly successful in my profit margins and so forth for my business. Bob, when you do the performance guarantee, the 30-day guarantee, do you advertise just the first part or do you advertise the entire guarantee? For instance, do you say, I guarantee I'll sell your home in 30 days and that's it, you stop? Or do you say the, the rest of it, or I will pay you X amount? No, I just say the first part. The first part is your home sold in 30 days, guaranteed. That's basically the message. Your home sold in 30 days guarantee. Not I will sell your home because I don't sell your home. The market sells your home. Your home sold in 30 days guaranteed. And then I do get some people that call me up and say, so what's the guarantee? Well, number one, they called me. They called me, right? That's, the, that's why you have a marketing mess. So many people are afraid. Even people on my team, when I launched that system, they said to me, well, Bob, you're putting yourself on the limb there. I'm saying... How is that? If I know I priced their home well, do you know the average market days is 90 days? However, if everyone did what they're supposed to do and, and told the seller that they're overpriced and they can't list the house, 
The houses wouldn't go on the market, and if they did, they would all sell in 30 days. Now, there's also exposure in this equation. It's not just about pricing. It's about exposure and marketing and all that and condition and location. But the point is that I get the person to call me, and they say to me, Bob, so what's the guarantee? And after I tell them that if I don't sell your house in 30 days, if you enter in that program, you can willingly exit the contract, or you can stay with me, and I will pay you X. It's a small fee, but the point is I have a small rebate, but I'll pay you X. Some people still say to me, well, that's not a guarantee. And I say, well, yeah, to me it is. Because number one is if you listen to me, you don't even have to enter the program, I will sell your house in 30 days. That's how confident without being arrogant that I am. Because I do such a research and I do a lot of market research and I work with a lot of buyers and I know based on the the neighborhood, the condition, location, and the, you know, how the house shows that I'll sell it in 30 days or less. And that's my real goal. I even made up signs because I'm so confident in this that every time I sell a house, I put a sign in the yard, another home sold in 30 days or less. And there's a website attached to that where people can go to that. And the sellers don't care because they said, yeah, you sold my house. You put up a sold sign, but it's another form of marketing to attract a new seller that wants to adopt that program. So that's the point is you have to build systems that generate more income, you know, that you're helping one client to help more clients. And so that sign, so I buy those because I know I'm going to put them in the ground, you know, and, and they're just a push in and you buy them at the, there's a company that you can get them really dirt cheap. I, I, let me give you the company name here. It's called, uh, I think it's called Signs on the Cheap, to be honest with you. I think it's signsonthecheap.com. And they're really cheap, and you can do double-sided, and they're, they're cheaper than getting them through your broker, I, I would believe. So tell us about your first sell-by-owner program. Okay, so for sale-by-owner program, this is how it works. In my marketplace, like I told you, 4,000 homes sell here in my county. So at any given time, I know today, there's 100 for sale-by-owners. Okay, maybe maybe not even, it depends. Let's say 100 through, maybe through the four counties, 100 that we have on our board today um, that we're managing. It's all about the system. So how do we find for sale by owners? Number one, um, some people use Red Act for it. You know, we don't, we don't use that because we don't have so many of them. I like to inspect and qualify each one even before I put them in the system. A lot of people don't do that, but if it doesn't fit my mold or I'm looking for a certain criteria that I can't sell the house in 30 days or I can't do this, it's not going to fit in my system. So we find them in the newspaper. Where do for sale by owners advertise? The newspaper. So we find them in the newspaper. We find them on Craigslist. That's a great source, Craigslist. We find them on for sale by owner websites. We find them driving around. So when you're out showing houses in the neighborhood, just today I was showing some houses and I saw three of them. They weren't in my system. I wrote them down. They're going to go in my system. You take a picture if you have your camera with you. It's a proactive part of your business. It's a system. So those are the ways you find them. What do you do from there? I'm sure there's programs out there. You can manage them. How about Google Drive or Google Docs? You make a spreadsheet, dump them in. The columns would be name, address, phone number if you have it, links to if you, wherever you found them, you put them in the system, they're in your system, and now you start tracking them. So how do you track them? Next thing you do is you got to first learn some scripts. You got to know the mindset of the for sale by owner. You 
you know, so you have to learn that. And there's plenty of people that teach different systems and all. I have my own system and I call it the ninja system. That's my whole thing is a ninja. All right. So, so anyway, anyways, so you, you track them. First you call them, you say the right things to them, but I'm never trying to convert them. This is what I do. That's so different than other agents. I'm trying to first off, find out if they're willing to work with a real estate agent. And the simplest way to do that through email or through conversation is if I had a qualified buyer, would you pay me a commission? Now, I can get away with saying that because I work with a ton of buyers. I manage databases. I actually, a lot of times I sell for sale by owners. I actually bring my clients and we transact and we do that. So I'm not just saying this. You know, I, I, I don't like agents to go out there and make stories up. I really think you need to have a system that you can back it up. So we do say that. If I include your home in our database, and if I have a qualified buyer, will you pay me 3%, whatever the percentage is? At that point, if they committed, then they committed to that commission. So my marketplace would say it's 3% of 100000 They committed 3000 Will they pay the other portion of the commission? Most likely they will. So that's how you start the process. From there, you build a friendship. You give them information. So what I've designed is videos. Personally, I would talk about soft selling, about giving them tools, tips, ideas, things, you know, also with soft messages about what we do and, you know, things like that. So we have a for sale by owner video that we created, just like we have a listing presentation video. We don't do packets anymore. We send the client a video. We want to pre-sell them before we get there. Same as a FISBO. If they opt into one of our systems for a free CMA, they go on a drip. So we're giving them really good information. We might even give them a free website so they can market on Craigslist. We have all those tools. So it's about giving them tools, showing value, showing them that you are the expert, but you're not pushing them to make a decision today. Our mailers that go out to the for sale by owners are those 30-day campaigns. Now, a for sale by owner is different than an expired, and we struggled with this because a for sale by owner might not have to sell because they didn't sell and they're looking to sell quick. But believe me, a for sale by owner that's been on the market 30 days, it's like eternity for them. After all the countless open houses and all the work they've done, and they sometimes need to sell in 30 days at that point. So that message still goes to them. And we also do, we kind of agree with them where we're not trying to sell them because every other agent is just trying to push materials in front of them. I'm the best agent. Hire me. Do this. Do that. We're just trying to find their problem and give them a solution. And hopefully we can discover that in the process in finding that problem and catering a sales ladder to them that's a solution-based and showing them what we can do for them with our past performance and our past clients and testimonials and sending them to all these different pages and websites. So a lot of times we have one email that has different call to actions like to learn more about this, go to our fan page to learn what other people have commented about our services and then learn about this and learn about that. So, and we're still, I'm still trying to develop this ultimate system to send someone to one site where they can watch all these videos and they can learn about me. And that's the whole point. If you want to do business with me, 
then call me. If you don't, it's okay. It's okay. I'm not an outcome-oriented agent. It's okay. And that's what I think has really been successful for me. But that's the gist of my system, and it's tracking. It's, it's, it's sending the offline, the offline, uh, online offers, and it's trying to get them in one of my systems. And it's finding out, next question I ask them by email or in conversation is basically, when's your next open house? And that's my opportunity to see the house, build some more rapport, find out if I can really help them without selling them, and just build a connection. That's really what it, it's about. It's, it's, not, it's not a hard sell all the way through. It's really not. Do you have an objective, a goal for how often you want to contact them? Well, yeah, on our spreadsheet, we, we have different points of contact. So if we didn't have their phone number, okay, and it was just through email, we didn't have it, we were trying to determine their address and we were trying to do some you know, stealthy things to try to find that stuff out. If it was by phone, we're not typically like five touches, you know, whatever. We're not typically doing that. It's basically, we do a lot through the email marketing. So if they're on a campaign, they're going to get an email every week. As it structures through, depending on when we know when they started their process, we might start at a different point where it's getting closer to different call to actions in those emails. And we might be reaching out to them or, you know, maybe finding out if we see their open house, they have another open house, we might say, hey, we were showing houses in the neighborhood if we really were. Again, we're not lying here. You know, we stopped by, we just wanted to stop by and see how you're doing. People like that, that they should use your empathy on their situation, but you have to separate yourself from every other agent. Because if every other agent's saying the same thing and you're saying something different, the for sale by owner is going to listen. You're not going to badmouth your fellow agents, but you're going to, you're going to show them the differences of why you're so different. If you are, you know, you got to employ different techniques like I'm trying to talk about, but, but that's basically the gist of it. I mean, it's a little more complicated than that, but it's, it's not so complicated. It's a pretty easy system. It's just not being afraid to talk to them, knowing what to say. There's only, you know, five, four or five basic objections. Every, every for sale owner expire listing has, and then they're, and you put them in your own words. I'm not a big scripted guy. I just know the market. I know things where then I can just say them because I know the things. I know uh, how many buyers. I know what buyers want. You know, every seller, you have to position them to turn them into a buyer. Get them thinking like a buyer. Everyone thinks they know everything about real estate because of HGTV and all those other media. So, I mean, that's, it's not about that. Real estate's not about what people think it is. And you, you have to shape these, the for sale by owner to thinking differently and seeing it your way because their way ain't working, obviously. Now, some, some people are successful. You know, they had a good house, good price. It's not rocket science. They might have been in the neighborhood, sells well, and they, they just, it just happened. Stars aligned. But we know that most people are unsuccessful because they have no guidance on price. They don't expose the house correctly, and they just get in the way of their sale. And that's, that's the problem. Bob, you mentioned earlier you have this team and you've structured it a, a little uniquely. Could you please describe your team to us? So I'm the team leader, but I'm a practicing agent. So I, I take listings. I work with buyers. I manage the agents. I hold meetings. I develop new systems. I test things. So I'm really a big factor here. My team has shrunk. 
it's went from five full-time agents with my, from, with myself, actually six. So it was seven member team down to three agents. So it's a total of four agents and then two assistants. So it's a total of six now. And the funny thing happened is nothing against my old, the agents on my team, but my productivity has increased. <laughs> so I don't, I don't, you know, so that's the whole thing where a lot of people think a lot of brokerages just build market share, just have bodies. I think not, you know, I'm new at this game. I've only been at six and a half years, but find the right people that will work the right systems and your business is going to take off. So I've really, I've really adopted this principle. I originally had agents on the team. Here was the problem. I was creating a brokerage within a brokerage. No one had a defined unit. I was still letting agents brand themselves on the signs, their name and phone number, which most teams would say that's a no-no. I was putting their face on the marketing we would do for them. Most team leaders would say it's a no-no. I was giving them better splits for the work they've done with their COI that weren't from my technically system. Then I woke up one day and I said, that's great, but I have something unique and different here. I have a name, I have leads, I have systems, I have tools, I have training, and I don't want to be a brokerage within a brokerage. So I started to pull back and said, I want people that are going to benefit from my vision financially and emotionally and, and take that vision and believe in it. And I'm still going to give people the autonomy to make decisions and do whatever they want to do, but then a contract and a structure. So since that, I've actually hired just someone to be a buyer's agent where they would get more leads than some of the other agents and they would handle even my database, sift through and convert and things like that. And they would just work with buyers. It's worked fine. Then I still have other agents that will dabble into buyers and sellers. The other two agents are like that. But what I found was that unless agents are paying for leads themselves, they don't value it as a team leader would. They don't value the systems until they have to leave your team and pay for it themselves and understand the cost mechanism of a lead and every month paying into and the financial investment. So I'm moving more towards structured people, meaning someone comes in, I teach them how to work with for sale by owners, expires, and how to work so much with that niche. As long as there's enough money in the niche and we can maximize that niche, that's what they'll focus on. And then having another maybe buyer's, maybe not another buyer's agent, but then maybe have an agent that would be okay if they could handle it. That's the other thing. Most agents can't handle, or most people, I should say, can't handle more than one task at a time. So that, you know, you can't do paperwork, you can't work with buyers, you can't work with sellers. You can't, it's too confusing. And that's why a lot of agents are just so confused and they, they should hire an assistant and all that. So I just think that my team now is running very smoothly because I've defined certain goals, certain rules, and certain ways to do business and bringing it back to my structure. What made me successful, let's all benefit in that and change things based on the team and so forth. So two agents that kind of do listings, that do buyers as well, one agent that works with just buyers, and then the real structure 
as the back office, I don't typically have a listing coordinator, closing coordinator. All the agents, it's weird, but they like to be in the deals, meaning like they like to negotiate the deals. I help the buyer's agent, the buyer's agent negotiate the, the contracts. But the other agents like to negotiate. They like some of the paperwork process. They like to stay in communication with the agents. A lot of agents don't want to give that up. You know, they like to feel they're part of something. Say I'm on a team and it's Bob McTagg's the number one guy, and they like some of that credit, you know, some of that credibility too to them. So I think that the agents now are also fitting into the program a little easier, understanding there are guidelines and there's a manual. You have to have a manual, and everyone knows their role, what not to do, what to do just like a broker agreement, you know, what you can do, what you can't do, advertising guidelines, things like that, branding guidelines. So all the agents know what their role is and what they can and can't do within the constraints of the team because it is still my team. What do your two administrative people do? The admins are crucial because unlike listing cord, transaction coordinators and closing coordinators, one of my guys that I have, this is how I do things. When I get a listing, any one of my team, what's very unique about my system and what makes sets me apart from other agents is one of my guys, who I call is my marketing manager. We will take that listing and for seven to 10 days, we will manually market it through the internet, manually input it in all the major sites we do not push a button, even though we have ListHub and all that, we do not push a button and let the data go out. We manually market our listings, making sure the pictures are right. We spend time, we, a simple program like Picasa, we, we pick the best pictures out of 100 photos that we take. We cram them down to 25 of the best photos. We write the best scripts, always have call to actions, and that's his role is to market that listing. And at the end of that period, is to provide the consumer, the seller, with actual digital magazine of everywhere their house is marketed to. And that's his role. He's also, his role is to put the videos up. And his role is to deliver the signage, deliver the flyer boxes, deliver whatever to the homeowner. That marketing manager is in charge of that listing marketing for updates, new pitches, and he's only called in when there's a new listing. So it's a very unique situation, you know, with this, this professional person. I made this role where he's retired, he's a professional, you know, big corporate job. He'll come in, take the project at home, wherever, you know, he, you know the systems are built that way, and he can market it when it's done. It's done, and then we move on to the next form of advertising. But that internet presence is one thing that I'm known for, and it's huge because no one else does that type of system where they can physically show the consumer exactly where their home is marketed to. And then all the performance stats of how many hits, how many visitors, they're getting updated in communication, an overload of information, so they know that we're doing our job and the marketing manager is keeping track of all that and making sure these people know that we're there marketing the home. 
So that's his role. The other assistant is the one that's basically putting together the expired campaigns, sending out the mailers, doing the physical campaigns, working the databases, managing leads. So she's doing a lot of different things, like placing Craigslist ads, doing the simple, basic, you know, filing. She's not dealing with her, the client. I'm dealing with my own client for the transaction coordinating, but she's filing. She's sending things to attorneys. So she's doing multi-roles, a full-time, part-time assistant that's in the office all the time, that if I need something, she's going to get it done for me. And those are the two people that I rely on, and things work fine. I don't have four or five different assistants with different roles. So I'm able to also maximize my profit by having that structure where I'm not having people just sit around and getting paid for it. They're only The marketing manager is only doing, when a listing comes on, he's doing it. If not, he's not working. So it worked really well for me. Sounds like your marketing manager is working on the marketing of the listings, whereas your marketing assistant is working on the marketing for the team. Yeah. She's actually doing all the any offline, like the flyer development. She's she's working with the marketing manager. They're in sync, and whatever he's not is not his role. He's passing it to her to complete the next stage of that listing marketing. I'll tell you who is working on the team's marketing. Myself, you're speaking to him. So, <laughs> any new ideas, any new concepts, any new logo changes, any new this, any new that, Facebook marketing. That's me. I haven't relinquished that to someone else because my mind is such where I have a hundred things going on at once and I'm thinking of new systems and how I can use this and how to do that. And that's the thing. I don't look to real estate for these systems. It's always somewhere else. Most of my influence is not from real estate. It's from big names, you know, the Jay Abrahams, the, you know, the Dan Kennedys, a lot of these internet marketers who are brilliant and a lot of these, you know, old school copywriters and people like that. You have to go outside the industry. You have to find a passion for that is to succeed and help the client at a different level that most agents aren't doing. You really have to find the passion in that to be successful. How are you compensating your agents? What's their compensation structure? Ooh, (laughs) I was very generous. You know, when I was building the team, I was too generous. The bottom line was, I was doing all this marketing, and then if the agents weren't schooled correctly and they were taking overpriced listings, I would be in the red, right? So I, I'm not saying I got tight, but I, I have a very, my splits with company are very good, so I'm able to share those splits over to the agents, but this is how it works, basically. If it's a buyer's agent and a lead comes in, it's on a 50 and they convert the lead, internet lead, it's on a 50-50 split. So they're getting a 50% split on that lead. So to them, which I try to explain is there's no cost of image, there's no cost of the lead initially. You're not managing a system, you're not paying monthly fees, you're not paying this. Your job is to convert the lead, and, you know, and, and then every lead you convert, you'll do a, we do 50-50. If it's from their own center of influence and they bring the deal in, I'm very generous. Like it's someone they know, family, friends, I give them a referral fee, you know, upwards of 30%. On some agents, we're on a different structure. I'm restructuring that whole thing right now, and I've changed it. I was very generous, 
but I've noticed that my profit margin with less agents have is, has increased in the last couple of years, and it's just been more beneficial. Every agent is swayed by a commission or a split, and what the agents on my team have have found is there's no one else that could get them jump started on their on their career faster than I could because of the lead generation. So they value even those 50-50 splits because they don't hold the monthly cost and expense of those systems, which I do. I have more risk than anything else if I give the leads to the wrong people. And I used to do everything myself and manage, and I was a control freak. And we all have to learn to step back and find the right people as leverage to run your systems into sharing those profits. And so you can have a family life and you can... You know, you can do the things you want to do. And that's what I'm trying to learn every year to, to be better at that. Are you profitable? Yeah, I'm profitable. Right now I'm running about, uh, I don't know if this is profitable for most people, but I'm about 60, 65% profit margin. I mean, I'm pretty profitable. I have my budget in line. You know, I have employees, obviously, right? I'm um, building more systems, but... You know, there's a cost to advertising, but it's all future business. But I've been growing at a stable rate. So I would say that this year with less agents, I'm, I'm going to be even more profitable um, because there's less commissions paid out to the agents, but the, the sales volume has increased. So, yeah, I mean, I'm definitely profitable. At the end of it all, the net, I, I mean, the money that I sink back into my business is all calculated in the form of it's, it's all marketing. Almost everything I do is in the form of marketing because I know that I'm going to get those huge return on investment, you know, the, you know, 300% return on investment or higher. It depends on what campaign I'm doing, but it's not rocket science. Did I understand correctly? You said your, your net profit margin is about 60, 65%. Yeah, that is true. So if a hundred dollars comes in the top of the business, $65 is coming out the bottom. That is true, yeah, if you can believe that. Uh, that's that's really high. <laughs> no, it is high because um, it is. I mean, if, you know, what I put out there, most of my cost right now is in the form of employees, just those two employees, but my marketing cost has decreased. I still spend a lot of marketing, but my sales volume has increased, my revenues have increased, so I'm able to still have a healthy return on my investment at the end of it all. And that's, that's the truth. Even after, you know, paying all the taxes and everything is structuring it that way. I mean, yeah, it's still right there after deductions and everything. And so it's, it's high, but if it wasn't, and I was operating, you know, some agents are, you know, 10%, 20%, 40, you know, it's, that to me is just, it's ludicrous. There's a problem there. You know, it's, it's always about what you take home anyways. I mean, anyone will tell you that. It's not. It's about the net. It's not about, well, I made half a million dollars this year and I only brought home 100000 Well, what happened to the other 400000 That's a problem. That's a, that's a huge problem. I mean, that's bad management of your marketing systems and not really testing your systems and then not changing at the right time. So it's all about change and understanding, you know what? I can do it better. Got to do it better. Every day I have a drive to do it better, cheaper, more efficiently. How can I do it better? How can I do it better for the consumer? Which is in turn is going to make it better for me. Bob, what drives you? 
you know, what drives me is I, I do want to be something. I want to be the best, you know, in my marketplace, but I do want to succeed at a higher level. It's not so much the money though. I will tell you that it's not really, not like outcome. Like I have to do that deal. If I don't do the deal, it doesn't happen. I walk away. It's okay. I think it's just about, you know, a lot of people ask me that what drives you. It's about building other things and just getting to a higher level. And that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to get into helping other agents and doing this and helping this and doing because I want to help people. And I think there's so much, I'll tell you what really drives me. I think real estate is broken. And I say this in a good way. The real estate model is broken. I'm not the average age of, an in, of a real estate agent. I'm not young, I'm not old, but I'm a minority in real estate in, in, in North America. I mean, the point is that I think it's broken. I think it's a better way. So what drives me is to find a better way, but still re- remain profitable. And, and you know, the money will come if I find that better way and always looking for a better way to talk to people and help people and, and, and treat people the way that, you know, you'd want to be treated if you were, were a real estate agent. And that's what really drives me to succeed with new marketing ideas, bring new things to the, to the table. That's why I said Zillow truly a realty.com. Congratulations. You found what the consumer wanted. Agents need to do that. Brokers need to do that. It's not about locking people in buyer agency. It's not about locking people into contracts. It's not about, you know, doing this. It's not about having them do it your way. Find a way that they want to do business. That's the drive. Bob, why have you been so successful? Lately, in the last couple of years, I, I think I really rose to be more successful is because having systems, but telling people the truth, I say this loosely, but I find myself every day saying, can I be direct with you? Can I be truthful with you? Will you let me? And, and really taking on business that fits within my model, just not taking on business, not building market share, but taking on business where I can sell over and over again, giving someone a message, finding people that want to listen to me and say, this guy makes sense. He's going to help me. And not trying to help everyone. Just focus on the people that need your help, that you really can help. And it's okay. Move on. Too many agents are worried about the paycheck. I got to pay my bills. I got to get this deal done. I got to tell the buyer this. I got to lie to my seller or whatever. I'm not saying people lie. I'm just saying, forget about all that. Don't sell people. No one. The reason I'm, I think I'm successful, I don't sell anyone. My strategy is give them information, to make better decisions, give them more information, make better decisions, show benefits along the way. Don't feature dump them and let them discover through what I'm showing them and point out the things like, for instance, I go out of the house and look at a house like this morning. And the first thing I say that most agents wouldn't do is say, Oh, I see foundation problems before we walk in. Now that's the, I wear many hats, the inspector, the attorney, I'm not any of these, but my point is, and sellers say, and buyers say, that's why I like this guy. He's not trying to sell me. He's actually looking out for my best interest. Every buyer that I put into a house, I'm looking out for an exit plan so I can sell that house in five to seven years. Now it's like 10 years, but the point is that I want to get them the best deal for them, not for my bank account. And that's why I've been successful taking care of the client all the way through, letting them understand that I'm not rich, but it's, I'm not driven by money. 
I'm not driven by that. I'm driven by really to help you out and help out all your friends and family. And that's what I'm looking for. Bob, if you were going to advise a brand new agent just getting in the business, what would you tell them to do first? Prospect, prospect, prospect. You cannot, in my opinion, get into lead generation, buyer lead generation. First of all, a lot of agents don't have the budgets for it initially. They don't have the time. I would say pick up the phone, learn scripts, and prospect. And work with a, stack, a group. Work with for sale by owners. Work with expireds. Because that's going to make you learn about the marketplace. And learn about the market. Before you do anything, learn about the numbers, what's selling, neighborhoods, trends, you know, what's going on. Learn about your competition. Learn about the other agents. What are their niches? What are they doing? How do they get their business? There's a lot of perception out there. Reality is a very, very fine line with reality and real estate. Learn about what's really going on. Educate yourself about the market, but prospect. That's the fastest way to income is prospect for FISBOs, you know, for sale by owners, expireds, get out there. What a lot of times happens is they do that, you veer away from that, then you find agents going back to that because that's the core center of the business is getting in front of people and making sense and building systems and learning and tweaking your system, making it better, but you got to start somewhere, pick up the phone, meet people. Do you think the top agent interviews like the one we're doing now with Mastermind Agent are valuable? Absolutely. Because I can tell you right now that I could listen to another call and say, wow, that's great. I didn't know that. Everyone thinks they know everything in real estate, and they don't. There's so many layers and so many different ideas and opinions of what other agents can bring that you need to listen to. And every marketplace is differently, but people are people. And getting better conversions and, and, and talking sense to people and learning about different marketing systems. And some people know so much about SEO and other agents know so much about farming and they had success with it or scripting or whatever it may be. But it all comes down to one thing is, is good business. And you can learn that through top agents because no one gets to the top by doing things incorrectly continuously. You know, everyone has ups and downs, but to be a top agent, you have to be doing something right. Well, Bob, I've come to the end of my questions for today. Anything else that you would like to talk about that we haven't addressed yet? You have to have passion. That's what it comes down to is passion. It's not a job. It's not a career. It's a business. And you have to have passion for your business. And it's beyond what every agent thinks or every consumer thinks of what the typical agent is. It's about marketing. It's about lead generation, about conversions. So you can build a business, more conversations, more connections, and spread that to a new way of doing business. And it's passion. You got to have passion. Well, Bob, you have passion. Your strategy of going where the competition is not and approaching every aspect of the business in a different way has paid big dividends. You resisted growing your team until after you had too many leads to handle yourself. Your focus on lead generation, conversion, conversations, and low-key scripts has resulted in hundreds of happy clients and a 60% net profit margin. Your willingness to experiment and track your numbers gives you true insight into what's working in your business. You have an impressive model. Thank you for sharing and being our top agent of the month. And 
Join us next call when we talk to an agent who sold 349 homes last year with one personal assistant. Find out who he is on the next success call. If you like the show and want to know when the next one's coming out, click the subscribe button on iTunes or Stitcher. And if you want to hear more episodes like this, give the show a five-star review and write a quick comment. I read them all, and it motivates me to keep going and share the top agent success stories with you. Thanks. If you're looking for more ways to generate leads, check out our sponsor, RealGTV, real estate agent lead generation television, and their giant database library of video trainings where top agents reveal, demonstrate, and discuss their best lead generation methods. Visit RealGTV, R-E-A-L-G dot TV. If you're low on funds or just want to get the maximum leverage, check out my masterclass webinar titled Top 5 Free Lead Sources for Real Estate Agents. Learn more at freeleadtime.com. That's freeleadtime.com. Oh, and if you have a real estate friend who needs some inspiration, tell them about the Success Calls podcast. And don't you forget to subscribe right now to hear all the great top agent ideas. Keep moving forward. You've been listening to Success Calls on the Mastermind Agent Network, where top real estate agents from across North America reveal their success secrets, strategies, and systems in up-close and personal interviews. You can find all the calls at www.mastermindagent.com.